Welcome to the All Things Agile podcast, your destination for tips and interviews with the leaders in the world of Agile. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, and please check out our sponsor, TeamAccelerator.com. And now, here's your host, Ronnie Andrews Jr. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All Things Agile podcast. First off, I want to get started by issuing an apology for the delay in getting a new episode out. The reason why is because I have an upcoming guest, and unfortunately, we're not able to get the scheduling worked out in time for this episode. But I am pleased to announce that Ken Rubin, author of Essential Scrum, will be the honored guest in our next episode. That said, I want to go ahead and issue another episode. I don't want to keep you waiting too long. And so with that, I hope you accept my apologies for the delay in getting this episode out to you. Now, before we begin, a quick reminder that this podcast is for informational purposes only and accepts no legal liability. So the topic for today will be resolving team conflict. Virtually any team that you work on is going to have some degree of conflict. It's just part of human nature. You know, we can't all agree 100% of the time. Even though Agile encourages um, more of a democratic approach to what the team is working on and the approaches that they use, there's bound to be some degree of conflict on any team that you work on. Now, before we dive into solutions to resolving team conflict, let's first identify the different types of conflict. One type, I think, is just general healthy conflict. And really what we're referring to is really debate. And using the word conflict is probably inappropriate for this particular case. In the example of debate, you may have people that share different ideas on solutions and you know what type of technologies should be used or different coding practices, whatever. That's fine. Having those healthy debates, discussing ideas is actually a good thing. You know, in this case, it allows you to have differing points of opinion which can be discussed, evaluated, and reach an ultimate decision on. And that's fine. That's a healthy form of debate or, or conflict, if you will. And if you have a little bit of that on your team, that's fine. I wouldn't worry about it. What we're really going to be focusing in on on this particular episode is unhealthy debate. And I would describe unhealthy conflict or debate a case where it's really impacting the team, where it's creating what I like to call a toxic environment. You can definitely tell it when you're part of a team that's having this because it just brings everybody down. It brings the morale down. It just feels like the team's been poisoned, if you will. And you're going to see evidence of that in not only the morale, but the conversation, the level of communication and collaboration are going to go down. Uh, You're going to see people that are going to be engaging in uh, using you know, a lot of inappropriate language. You're going to have a lot of uh, people getting into sort of like, you know, personal uh, battles with each other or one-upmanship. And it just really destroys the overall team morale and ultimately productivity. And you will actually begin to see this uh, long-term in the metrics where you start to see a team that was doing really well and then they start to Maybe perhaps have their velocity dip down and more and more of their stories are getting accepted late, etc. So it definitely has an impact. So again, I would classify unhealthy conflict as the conflict in which 
it's really bringing down the team. It may be disrespectful and it's simply just not in the long-term viability of the team. So that's kind of how I'd probably classify the two main types of conflict that I see, either healthy, just discussion of topics and technologies versus something that's more personal um, and toxic. And so we're going to talk about the latter and how do you resolve it? Now, I have personally seen these cases come up numerous times in my career. And if you are particularly in a situation, your team or teams that you're coaching or, or another team in your company that you've seen this kind of just not quite right environment, it's just a little bit toxic. Um, that's not uncommon. First off, that's it's bound to occur law of averages. So that said, even though it's, it's a common experience within a company, you certainly still don't want to maintain that toxic environment. Because here's a, an interesting point that I've seen personally, which is if one team is currently experiencing a level of you know poison, if you will, not only does that team's morale drop and their productivity drop, it can spread to the other teams. It's true. You can have a team that is doing really well, but if their neighboring team is, you know, engaging in disrespectful behavior and yelling at each other and cursing at each other, it's going to impact the neighboring teams. They're not going to want to come into work that day. Their morale starts to drop and then their performance starts to drop. So another reason why you want to deal with unhealthy teams head on because not only does do you want to you know to help that team but you also want to ensure that that degree of of poison really doesn't spread to the other teams and and disrupt them as well all right so let's talk about some practical tips that i i've personally implemented in the past and found beneficial again you know every company's unique every team's unique you know you're responsible for your uh, own actions but Things that have worked well for me is to focus on the present and the future. Um, oftentimes when you're trying to resolve team conflict or coaching the teams through a, a conflict situation, oftentimes the team members may get too focused on the past and the things that happen. What I mean by this is that I have certainly seen cases where people get into paper trail battles. You know what I'm talking about? where you have someone who has um, an email that they sent six months ago and they, you know, they bring it out, right? Well, six months ago, you said blah, 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 blah. And now you're saying this. And so you have these people that, that hold on to every little piece of communication, every little email. And the real honest reason why they do so is so that they can then spit it back out later. And, Candidly, that's not healthy. And what that when you really analyze it, that those persons, those individuals are focusing their attention on things that occurred in the past, right? You know, oh well, two weeks ago you said this, last year you did that. And so they can get into a lot of negative debate, a lot of you know, disrespectful behavior sometimes because they're so focused on past hurt and they're not really learning to 
forgive and let it be water under the bridge. And they're just holding on to, the, to that pain. And they're then letting that um, disagreement, anger, pain poison the waters in the present. And then going forward towards the future. And you don't want that. And so one of the first things I like to focus on when trying to coach a team is to I, sort of a phrase that I give is keep the water under the bridge and keep it there. Okay. Don't, don't say, Oh, well, you know, yeah, okay. We can move forward. And then, you know, the next week later, well, you know, again, I told you four months ago that, you know, this was the way we we're supposed to do it, etc. And again, that leads to that negative behavior. If you're always bringing up the past. And so, Whenever I'm sort of involved in trying to coach a team, I try to think about staying present, right? Think about, okay, never mind the past. Whatever happened in the past has already happened. We can't, you know, get back in the DeLorean and go back in the time and, and try to fix it, right? So in that case, what can we do right here, right now? Okay, stay focused in the present. And if you and if people if you're speaking with them and they start going well what about that three months just to say stop stop that was in the past we can't change it what we can change is the present let's focus on that and it's not easy to do but but trying to hold a hard line on that just you know just say look that's in the past let's uh, learn to forgive and put that behind us and carry on for the present and the future. Now, if you can work on that and, and allow the team to, to avoid getting into those negative conversations about the past, then I'd say the next step is to focus on what actions or changes they can make here in the present to avoid future pains. So, for example, if part of the past pain was, say, for example, um, some of the defect procedures were not being followed, as an example, and people were griping about each with each other about whose fault it was that you know this person didn't follow the procedure and they should have, and and someone has a paper trail from six months ago. To avoid that situation, I would say identify what changes could prevent that problem from happening again. So, for example, you might and do sort of like Six Sigma root cause analysis, if you will. Say, okay, what, what really happened? Why was the process really not being followed? Well, maybe one reason is because the tool being involved uh, wasn't adequate enough. Maybe you just need to, you know, upgrade your your tool set. Maybe there's some other procedures that could be added. Um, maybe someone needs to uh, go through some additional training, or maybe involvement with another team could be changed or improved, or another team member schedule could be altered to to allow them greater flexibility in their work schedule. Whatever the case may be. But the point is this, don't dwell in the past, it's already happened, okay? And then for being able to resolve the team conflict, 
identify actions or steps that can be uh, processed right here, right now, and able to prevent the, that future pain, okay? Now, in terms of if you have cases where it's a little bit more personal, you know, that does happen sometimes where you have teams that, for whatever reason, people have sort of harbor personal grudges towards each other, right? And even if um, all of your policies and tools and procedures are all well and good, some people may simply put just not like each other. Um, it certainly can happen, you know. I mean, uh, again, most of the time teams will be okay with just changes in their in their practices, but there will be cases where people sim just simply have personality clashes. And where I've seen that in the past, if it's really that strong, I would say it can sometimes be worthwhile to go ahead and switch some team members around. Uh, there could be cases where, um, for whatever reason, you know, those um, overlapping personalities just bump up against each other just a little too strong. And But you can take that individual and perhaps shift them to another team, and they work perfectly well there. Because at the end of the day, um, all team members are not equal, right? We, we each bring our own level of skill set and personality. And really, you don't want everybody on the team to have an exact mirror copy of each other in terms of their skill set personalities. You need that diversity uh, because it helps produce a more well-rounded and ultimately balanced team. And, you know, if one person, for example, um, is a little bit more, let's call them thorough, another person's a little bit more you know, sort of quick quick to act. Actually having them on the team together can sometimes help because um, the person who's more thorough help balances the other individual out. And ultimately, you can end up with a sort of a middle ground, which is actually um, pretty well and functional. However, um, if you have those personality clashes where perhaps you have um, two individuals that are, you know, for example, overly thorough, and they may be bumping heads with each other. Maybe that person belongs on another team, you know? And maybe there's another team out there that needs that type of uh, personality or skill set. And they would be actually a welcome addition. Now, it is kind of like a, a last resort to implement team member changes to shift them around. But it is certainly better to do that than to let the team continue in unresolved conflict. And I know it takes a little bit of guts to go ahead and, and to talk to people and say, you know, uh, I think we, we, need, we need to move you to another team. But you got to think about the overall team and the overall organization with the other teams. And again, if you let this uh, team remain unhealthy or toxic, it's going to spread to the other teams, and, and you certainly don't want to do that. And that's not fair to the other teams to, to have that happen. Um, so again, I always start first by avoiding getting into to the past trauma. Stay focused on the present. Evaluate what options can occur in the present, changes and 
and practices, etc., that can be implemented to prevent future pain. And if it is a situation where it's kind of a, a just a deep personality clash, more so than the practices, there may need to be team member changes. And, and that's okay. And that does happen. I have certainly seen it happen uh, in other teams as well as on my own teams before. And that's okay. I mean, again, um, in a larger organization, it's bound to happen sometime. I would say um, kind of as an ultra last resort, I really hate to see situations where a team member is removed from the company. Um, that has happened. I've seen it happen. But that is, you know, just such a, a deep last resort um, action. And I would certainly encourage any agile professional that's that's trying to help a team experiencing conflict that they truly keep that as just um, an absolute last effort uh, action. And the reason why is because it's my belief that it is easier to coach and maintain than it is to replace, okay? Whenever you replace a person in your organization, you're incurring costs not only with the recruitment, but also with the you know the interview process, people have to take time out of their days just to interview the new guy or girl. But you also have to uh, consume time with uh, training and getting them up to speed and having them you know sort of learn the culture and the ins and outs of the team and the team practices. Or they may be new to agile, and you got to help train them with that. So all that process can easily take a couple months. And in doing so, uh, the team's velocity is already impacted. And so I personally recommend, whenever possible, try to coach through the situation and reach a solution rather than simply just um, you know, throwing in new bodies. Um, it, that's my experience and that's my belief. So, uh, again, sort of a fourth option there is kind of a last resort. But those are the strategies that I have employed to help resolve team conflict. And that's conflict once it's already occurred. And I actually like to take a moment and cover a different topic, which I, I honestly don't think many uh, Agile professionals really consider, and I, I haven't seen it mentioned too much uh, in articles or books, and that is preventing team conflict um you know the material i just covered a second ago is in relation to resolving team conflict once it's already occurred but you know the old adage is that you know an ounce of prevention prevention is worth a pound of cure so you might ask yourself well how can we prevent team conflict from ever even occurring um, i'll offer i'd say about four suggestions that i believe if you can implement them they may help you. I mean, I've certainly seen them help teams in the past. The first is co-location. Uh, when you're able to bring the team together physically, like they're actually physically sitting next to each other, it oftentimes helps prevent team conflict. If you have teams that are composed of a lot of full-time remote members, it can be difficult to maintain a healthy team. And the reason why is because there's the bandwidth of communication, right? And the highest bandwidth communication is face-to-face. -face. 
where the person can see the other person's gestures, the tone of voice, etc. And if they're remote too much, then you're dealing with a lot of email and IM chats, etc. And it's so easy for um, the words to get misinterpreted, right? To get lost in communication, lost in translation, I meant. And so in that case, um, that's just bound to result in team conflict eventually. So if you can co-locate the teams, and again, I mean physically co-located, like in the same um, office area, that really helps with being able to reduce the chances of team conflict ever occurring. All right. Second way I would highly suggest is in how you treat the team members. It, and what I mean by that is this. If you have a team of, let's say, seven members or whatever, and one or two of those individuals are always favored upon management or leadership, always uh, listens to those individuals, but nobody else, or those individuals get included in all the important uh, discussions and meetings nobody else does, or they're the ones that always get promoted or um, receive a healthy salary and everyone else does, um, that's bound to create team conflict, right? But if you can really look at the team as a team and comprise of many different people, each bringing their own value and contribution to the team, that will significantly reduce the chances of team conflict ever occurring because you're reducing the likelihood of people feeling disenfranchised or left out or disrespected. So if you can prevent that, again, it's a lot easier to prevent team conflict than it is to fix it once it's occurred, right? I would say another way to help resolve team conflict is through training. I've seen so many times where agile teams are just thrown together and the training aspect is never really fully delivered on, okay? Even though it costs a couple thousand dollars, it is far worth it to ensure that your team gets off to the right uh, start, right? You want to ensure that, uh, for example, all the Scrum Masters become, in my opinion, certified Scrum Masters. Product owners become certified product owners. Again, these are my experiences. You know, your actions are your actions. But that's my personal opinion that when you're able to have those individuals be formally trained, it really does help. Because they learn the right practices, not just the way the company is, or organization has been currently operating. And that's important. I also recommend having all of the team members receive some form of agile training. Again, it enables them to have buy-in and enables them to better understand the changes being implemented and why. For them to really see the benefits. If you simply throw people on an agile team without adequate training, I think you're setting yourself up and the teams for failure. Don't do it. It's, it even though there may be some cost involved in, in training, it is absolutely worth it to do so uh, because the longer-term cost of not giving them adequate training and education will be 10 times worse or even more than the cost that could have just been um, handled up front through adequate training. So I definitely recommend doing that. Don't skip on training and coaching. 
And that's not just a, you know some ad or something for my own benefit. I mean this sincerely, that uh, I have seen teams and organizations that did not train adequately, and I've seen the others that did. And it's a night and day difference. And again, by doing that, you'll help prevent the team conflict from ever even occurring. And that's uh, certainly something you want to do. And the fourth thing that I would throw out there as a suggestion, again, to prevent the team conflict in the beginning is how you form the teams, who's on the teams, and, and what roles and capacity. So many times I've seen team conflict occur because the team members are just thrown together. You know, just, you know, look at a spreadsheet, get some names, throw them on a team. Uh, that simply just is not wise. You need to really examine the skill sets and the personalities. You know, who's got a strong personality? Who's going to be a person who's going to challenge the status quo? Who's the person who's going to be a negotiator? Who's the person who's going to help, you know, bridge different people together and help people uh, come to consensus? Finding out those personalities and the skill sets, including, you know, maybe development or testing skill sets. Finding out those individuals and then seeing how to craft them into a functional and balanced team really pays dividends because they're far less likely to have conflict. They're, they're going to be able to work with each other and complement each other. If you simply just throw people together in a team, you're just asking for conflict. And not only that, but if they're not balanced properly, if you look at, for example, their um, the work each member is contributing during a particular sprint or iteration, you're more or less likely to find that the workload isn't very balanced. And that's usually because the team's not balanced. It's not they're not properly structured. So you know, prevent the, the conflict in the first place by investing time to ensure that of all the people you have across your organization, that you're really analyzing their skill set and personalities and putting them together and, and positioning them to win, right? If you just throw the bodies together in a team, you're just asking for failure and conflict. If you invest the time, and really, how much time does it take, folks? you know, a couple of days maybe to really take a, a deep look at the team members and, and really consider, you know, who would be great to partner up with who. And if you can spend that time to partner the, the team members up correctly, it really will pay dividends. And so if you can do that, you'll prevent a ton of team conflict down the road. So that's four suggestions for you. Uh, in relation to preventing team conflict on top of the earlier suggestions on resolving if it's already occurred. All right, well, I think that wraps it up regarding for how I have personally tried to resolve and prevent team conflict. I certainly am open to hearing your suggestions. If you do have any, feel free to send me an email at coach at com. And don't forget to check out the AgileInstructor.com website and TeamAccelerator.com website. And as mentioned earlier, I do have a special guest coming up in the next show, which is Ken Rubin, author of Essential Scrum. And I'm really looking forward to asking him some really great questions 
that I think you'll enjoy and find insightful. Well, I think that wraps it up for the show. Thank you so much for your patience and waiting for a new episode. I apologize for the delay and looking forward to releasing a new episode with that great interview with Ken Rubin. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to All Things Agile. We look forward to you subscribing to the podcast in iTunes and leaving a kind review. Thanks and God bless.